This is Road to Retirement with Chris Anselmo from Brookside Tax and Financial Group. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Chris provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Road to Retirement with Chris Anselmo from Brookside Tax and Financial Group. Welcome, everybody, back to the Road to Retirement. My name's Chris Anselmo, and I'm here with our co-host, Tony Shore. And uh, I guess it's at Minnesota in June, but it's it's actually <laughs> cool here. It's in the 60s today, but uh, how you doing? Oh, wow. Well, good. I'm I'm actually in Minnesota right now, and it's um, going to hit. It's been in the 80s for days. Yeah. We haven't had any rain. We finally uh, got rain. Everything's drying up. Well, that's good because we haven't. I'll we tell had, you that. Uh, we had 21 straight days of uh, no rain. And that's like, for us, that's a drought. I mean, we usually get rain at least once a week, right? So, right. It's, it's, yeah. it's the same. Yeah, it's the yeah. same here, especially this time of year. Uh, we're way down. Like, I mean, it's a drought here. All the lines are, or lawns, I should say, are dying. And they're telling us it can only water on odd and even days and then only during certain hours. So uh, there's water conservation going on here and there's a drought. So, and we, uh, (laughs) we have air quality alerts and it's gray outside, even though it's 80, uh, no clouds, but it's completely gray because of the Canadian wildfires. Yeah. We had, we had some of those days too here. Well, it's been really bad the last couple of days here. And what they say is, that to try to drive less and less emissions right now, because Minneapolis St. Paul area is a big metropolis. I mean, it's, it's a big area, a lot of cars, a lot of traffic and the, the smoke and the the debris in the air from the fires holds that in. So the air quality, isn't just the smoke. It's actually because of carbon monoxide and everything else yeah. is uh, so it's bad. They say if you have any type of asthma or uh, breathing issues, don't go outside. Yeah, I can yeah. see when I was driving in a certain road, one of the roads is a bit higher in the county than the rest. And you can see downtown and it looks like a big hazy cloud over downtown. So. Yep. Yep. That's what happens because of the wildfires and the ozone right now. It's crazy. So anyway, other than that, I'm great. Chris, yeah. how have you been? I've been really good. So I'm uh, good. excited. My daughter's got a few things going on in her life right now. She's uh, she, she's uh, traveling abroad and uh, she'll be back. And then she's going back to, uh, I think we told you before, she uh, was fortunate enough to get accepted to graduate school in Oxford, England. So uh um, so she'll be going there later in the fall, but, uh, things are good. So, um, I thought today we haven't talked about it in a while. We have this like basic, uh, what we call peace of mind package. Yeah. You know, what, what do you do just for your basic, uh, legal documents? You know, you have kids, you probably want to appoint guardians and things like that. So I, I thought we'd go over that because we, a, a lot of our clients are beyond that stage and we're using trust for them. But oftentimes, at least as a stopgap, we have, uh, we get these these documents in place just so, um, God forbid, something happens in an emergency. So, um, so I thought we'd go over that. I did a little uh, um, outline of what these documents mean. So I'm going to try and put that up on the screen so uh, people can uh, see that. That's awesome. That is 
Awesome. So can you guys see that? Yep. Last okay. will and testament. Okay. So um, so the last will and testament is basically what happens when you're gone, right? What happens when, when you pass away? It doesn't do anything for you while you're alive. So even though um, you may have picked people to be your your executors and who's getting what and, and all that, doesn't kick in until you're gone. So first thing we normally do in the last will and testament is we define who's your family. Like, I'm married or I'm not married. I have children, don't have children, that type of stuff. We put usually right in the front of the document. So when someone's reading it, when we're talking about who's your heirs and things like that, we know who they are. Uh, second thing you normally do is choose an executor. So the executor basically is you when you're no longer here. So that person's going to step into your shoes, do what they need to get do, do their banking, close out accounts, all that kind of stuff. And, um, and basically, we get letters of authority from the uh, probate court that says, look, this is the right person for everybody to deal with. And we generally choose more than one. Normally, you know, we would say it's a spouse. So, Tony, your spouse would be your executor. She'd be your, you know, you'd be her executor. But we usually have backups. You, and most likely it's either brothers or sisters or children. Um, so, God forbid, you die in a common car accident. and We need someone to, to step up and take over. Um if you don't choose an executor, if your executor is not available, then the court's going to appoint one. And uh, oftentimes it would be a local attorney because the judge knows uh, they have jurisdiction over that attorney. And they would. And we've been appointed several times. Just they, like they know we know how to do it. So they appoint someone that they, they can trust to get it done. Sure. The yeah. other thing is if you have a... Uh, Minor children, you're going to want to appoint guardians. So, again, God forbid something happens to you mm-hmm. prematurely and you have minor children, somebody has to be their guardian. So, And you have to think about those two things, the executor, who you're going to choose to be your executor, and who you would choose to be the guardians of your minor children if you're you have minor children, because... Uh, those aren't easy jobs. People say, uh, you know, uh, those aren't jobs that yeah. people necessarily want. Yeah. So you have to think carefully. And it's a big burden to put on someone, even just the executor. So that's why I have you listed, Chris, in both yeah, of those areas. For that's me. fine. I'll take all your kids. <laughs> I don't think you have any minor children left, but uh, I don't. at least that your wife doesn't know about. But uh, <laughs> so, no, no. Now, the guardians, you know, you got to think that. Um, Oftentimes people pick their parents, but, you know, your parents might be getting up there in age. And, you know, oh, yeah. I, I don't think my, uh, you know, my mother, who's in her 80s now, would, my mom probably didn't want me to tell people that. But anyhow, she, <laughs> she probably wouldn't be the best person to watch minor children. It's just, you know, right. it's, a, it's cumbersome. And an uh, executor the other thing you may want to think about is uh, having a local executor, because if we have... Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, if we have someone from out of like if Tony, if you picked me and I it was an out of state executor, uh, most likely I would have to put up a bond with the probate court because the probate court doesn't have jurisdiction over that person in another state. And they're, yeah, they're afraid that they may abscond with the money. So they would, and bonds are, are pretty expensive. Yeah. So once you get those two things done, then we go into, okay, who's getting what? So something called specific bequests are. Uh, specific items. I want my Rolex to go to my son. I want the mom's earrings to go to my daughter. So anything is specific. Ten thousand dollars to go to Tony Shore. He probably wants a hundred grand, but that's okay. Ten thousand dollars. So anything is specific, we uh, we we list out. All right. Now we don't want to get 
won't say petty, but like you don't need to say who gets your dish towels, right? I mean, if it's yeah. if it's something of either of family value, you know, you have an heirloom, sentimental value, yeah, or something that's really uh, valuable, you might want to do it specifically. Diamond ring or <laughs> something that's been yeah. in the family a long time, an antique, right. those types of things, but not you don't want to get you know, yeah, right. crazy. And generally, if those uh, items are not there, then they're just not there, right? So if uh, you know, you told me you're going to get my uh, my Honda Ridgeline, and I don't have a Honda Ridgeline at the time, then you just don't get it, right? <clears throat> right. So uh, residuary bequests would be everything else. Then so once we took care of a specific bequest, generally it says look. Give everything else to my spouse. If my spouse isn't alive, give everything to my kids. God forbid they're not alive, give it to the grandkids, right? Or again, they don't have to be family. You can, you can, you can put down whoever you want. You can put down, um, you know, some people put down charities or churches or favorite charities. Anybody you want, friends, family, um, could be uh, be listed in the will. Also, oftentimes people disinherit people. Right. So if you have a, so if you have a someone who's legally your next of kin, say you have an estranged child, and you don't want to leave them anything, so you would specifically mention, "I'm not leaving anything to X Y Z Tony Shore's long lost kid." Right. So um, we do that so that we don't. You know, it used to be you'd say, "Look, let's give him a dollar." So that and the reason was, look, we didn't forget about him. So if we didn't mention them all, people might say, well, you just, you must've forgot about them. So he should get a share. Um, we don't do that anymore because legally we have to find them and give them a dollar. <laughs> right. <clears throat> so if they're strange, right. you don't know where they're at. I don't want to keep this probate court, um, this case open until we can find them. So usually we just uh, say, look, we're not giving them anything. Now, so what really happens? So the, the person dies, we have to probate the will. You know, we've heard horror stories about probate. You know, it's good and bad, but it's it's not all awful, you know. And sometimes probate's less expensive than, than doing other things. But anyhow, the first thing happens, we file an application, say, look, we're going to submit the will. These are the kids. These are the, um, this is the spouse, and this is who he listed as executor. So the executor gets appointed. I probably should have a little... Uh, slide in there, but the, the executor gets appointed. So now once the executor gets appointed, so Tony, let's say you're my executor. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, you're me, right? So you go to, you go to the, um, you know, you go to the banks, you go to the, wherever I have money, close all those accounts down. So basically you step in the shoes of the decedent um, and you get a little slip of paper from the probate court here. It's called letters of authority. So that you can say, look, probate court says I'm the executor. Here's my little seal of approval. So then the banks know you're the right person to deal with. So you can't just walk into the bank and say, look, uh, the will says I'm the executor and um, he died. Here's his death certificate. Let me go do what I want because the, the institution isn't going to take the risk that that was his last will. Sure. Right. So he might've made one out three days before he died and that one's three years old. So they're, they're not taking that risk. They said, go, go down to the probate court, get your little permission slip, letters of approval, and then come back. Okay. So once you do that, then we have to file what's called inventory. Like, what are all his assets? He's got the house, he's got bank accounts, he's got some brokerage accounts. So anything that's stuck into the decedent's name, we have to list as an inventory. 
then uh, we would uh, pay creditors. If creditors make a claim here in Ohio, they only have six months from the date of death to make a claim. If they if they're late, they're out. Right. So we had a case six months in one day, and the judge says six months in one day is not six months. So creditors out. So, um, so any pay any timely creditors. Uh, eventually, they'll file tax returns. You got to file the final ten forty, possibly a, a tax return for the estate. And once all that's done, and you and you you satisfied all that, then there's a final accounting that says, okay, we we took in a hundred thousand dollars. We paid out twenty three thousand four hundred twenty seven dollars for all these expenses. This is what's left, and then this is what's going to go to the beneficiaries. So once the final accounting gets uh, uh, set, then we could we could pay out to the beneficiaries. So that's basically the whole process. Um, it's a little more complicated than that, but uh, sure for for our time, it's uh that's. That's pretty good enough. So the next document we normally do is the durable financial power attorney. So the durable financial power attorney is appointing someone while you're alive to handle your financial affairs for you. Um, so we would choose an agent and a power attorney. There's a, um, Tony, you, you would be called an agent. So there's principal and agent. So I'm the principal, you're the agent. Um, and we can list them in order of preference. So if we have two or three people listed, oftentimes it's a spouse and it's a child and it's Tony Shore. Now, the order of, of how they do that is, you, at least in our power attorney, we lay out, we, we give them choices. Um, do them in the order named, right? So spouse first, a spouse not available, uh, a son, if he's not available, Tony Shore, okay? So we can do it in the order named or sometimes, um, the client says, look, I got three, I don't care which one of the three kids do it. Just let them all do it, right? So we could check a box and say, look, they can all act independently, or we could check a box that says they all have to agree. So so you can you can choose your agents there. And you want to make it simple because you don't want the banks to reject the power of attorney because they don't want to deal with, look, I, I got to make sure all three of them agree, right? So oftentimes we say it's better if one of them does it than the two or three. So, um, so basically this document is to handle all um, property, finances, and legal affairs of the principal. Now, it could be, so durability means, um, it used to, in still the case, so Tony, if I gave you a power of attorney and I didn't make it what's called durable, that would mean um, you're powers are only as good as my powers. So if I became disabled, you're now disabled. So people are like, well, that's not what we want. So they created this, this concept of law says durability. So the durability means that this power of attorney survives my incapacity. So if I become incapacitated. So this is like a living power of attorney. So this is um, uh, like I have a power of attorney for both my parents. I have power of attorney. So uh, that's for when they're living, if they're right. incapacitated. Right. So but if, if it's not written in a fashion that makes it durable, if they became incapacitated, you can't. Their, their power of attorney would end because you're now you're just as good as that, right? So you would be incapacitated. So most of them, if they're drafted property, are, are what we call durable. So it does. Well, I'm going to double check yeah. that. So it does I survive. Check it does survive incapacity, and that's what we really want, right? If mom and dad become incapacitated, I want them to step up and, and handle their financial. Right. That's the whole reason we have the power of attorney. 
Yeah. yeah. And the next, the next thing on there is immediate or springing. So immediate means if, and if I don't mention it, otherwise it's going to be immediate. So if I give you a power of attorney and I, and I'm silent on that issue, your power of attorney is effective today. So you would be able to go do my bank and do whatever you basically you're stepping in my shoes today. Now, a lot of people say, I don't want that. I want, I want it to be, Tony, you don't have this power until I become disabled. So that's what we call springing. So normally between spouses, we make it immediate. Like my wife could go sign my name. She could, I could sign her name today. Yeah. But for everybody else, maybe springing. So springing says, Tony Shore's powers will kick in if and when I become disabled. So, so, you know, there's, there's standards in there. Doctors have to sign off that type of thing. Okay. Now, now your power of attorney is active because there can, some of the concern is like, this is a very dangerous document. And if you don't, if you get it to someone you don't wholeheartedly trust, like Tony, if I, like I wouldn't mind. So I give you the power of attorney. You can go yeah. clean me out today. Like you could now, obviously there's laws against you're supposed to be acting on behalf of me, not taking the money and running, but, but there's a risk there that, um, you know, that sure. You, so, sure. So they're really intended to avoid guardianship. So if I don't have a power attorney in place and I become disabled, somebody's going to have to go to the probate court to be appointed a guardian of the, what's called the property. So, so, and it can be two different people. So the guardian of the property is the one that takes care of all my property, mm. tangible or intangible, real estate, bank accounts, anything that's property. Okay. So, um, but anytime you go to courts, it's going to be expensive. And if there's a way to avoid that, we want to do it. So this power attorney is uh, what we use. Our power attorney, you know, you get them on the internet for two, three pages. Our power attorney is 23 pages long and it covers you know, if the third moon of Mars is in line with the second moon of Venus, <laughs> we, we got a clause for that, right? So, so you know, you rather have a little more in there than too little, because if you have too little and it's sometimes it doesn't work and, and we could tell you stories about that, but um, so you want this in place. Now, the power of attorney ends when you end. So if I die, your power of attorney is done. Then the will kicks in, okay? So even though you have power of attorney, once the person dies, that power of attorney is gone. Okay. So next one is a healthcare power of attorney. So here in Ohio, at least we, we got this standardized um, because everyone, all of us attorneys were drafting our own for a while. And the doctors were like, look, we, we don't have time to read these. It was a mess. Yeah. yeah. We don't have time to read them or send them to our legal counsel. Look, we need to operate now. Right. So the healthcare power of attorney, um, we came, the Bar Association, the Medical Association came up with some standardized forms and, and maybe it's the same in Minnesota, but um, so the doctors say, okay, yeah, that's the form. Okay, we're good to go. So you're gonna choose your agents. Now, oftentimes these are people different than the people you chose to handle your money. You know, So um, maybe it's someone in your family that's uh, in the medical profession and you, you value their, um, their opinion more than you would value the guy who's driving a truck. Nothing, nothing wrong with driving a truck, but if you know, if right, you have a doctor right. in the family, I'd rather yeah. be making medical decisions for them. Sure. Yeah. So Makes choose sense. your agents. Um, so this is for all your medical decisions. And it's a little bit different than the, the power of the financial power of attorney in that it's only effective if you can't make your own decisions. So I remember a time when my grandmother was, uh, 
I think 101 at the time. And uh, uh, my mom and my aunt were her medical power of attorney. And they were talking to us about what they should do, what they should do. And the doctor said, slow down. She's like, why? She says, because I'm going to ask grandma. Yeah. Right? So, so if you can't make your own medical decisions, either because you're, uh, let's say you're unconscious, you're in a car accident, you're unconscious, or you, um, you know, you have uh, dementia, dementia, Alzheimer's, and, and yeah. you're not legally uh, capacitated to uh, make that decision. And then the power, the healthcare power attorney steps up. Uh, and this is intended to avoid guardianship of the person. So there was guardianship of the property. There's also guardianship of the person. And, and again, it could be different people. Like I would, you know, you have someone in your family that's a CPA and they're going to handle the money and you have a, a nurse in the family is going to handle the person. So, so we really want to avoid these if we can, because again, going to court is always the most, it's not the least expensive <laughs> way to do that. Right. Cause you, look, you got to pay the attorneys go downtown. Right. Sure. Okay. Now the other legal document is the living will, which is different than the power of attorney. So the living will, and most of you have heard, uh, it's called pull the plug, right? So, Pull the plug basically the living will says, look, doc, if I'm ever terminally ill, permanently unconscious, and I don't have any chance of recovery, I don't want to be kept alive artificially. So if it's that grave of a situation, call the family in. This is my direction. Don't ask the healthcare power attorney. I'm telling you, this is what I want. Okay. Yeah. Now, if you don't sign a living will, um, then the healthcare power attorney would make that decision. Also in the living world, generally, I didn't put that in here, but there's also usually whether you want to be an organ donor, right, that type of thing. And there's one other document we have that I should put up there. It's called the HIPAA release. So the HIPAA release is so they can have access to your medical records. Ah, yes. Because that can be important. Yeah, because it's strange enough that the healthcare power attorney says, you can kill me. You could terminate my life but I didn't give you the permission to look into my file. Like, <laughs> so, makes no sense. Well, yeah. and I have a, I have a question for you though, Chris, right. because a lot of people I think get this confused. And I know uh, my wife and I, over the years, um, uh, this has come up. Uh, a lot of people uh, need to understand the difference between a living will and a will. And of course the, the simple thing, yeah, and yeah. people know a will yeah. is after you, for when you die yeah. and a living will is well, you're living but isn't the, I noticed you had it up in the will, but uh, when my wife and I, when people are younger, they make a living will and in there they have choose guardians for minor children. Yeah, that, that's still a last will and testament. So the that's living, part of the, yeah. so that's not part yeah. of the living will. No, that's a living, last the, will and testament. I, I really wish they would change the name of it. The living will is just basically pull the plug. If I'm ever terminally ill, sure. terminally unconscious. And, and so and that's I, all it's for really. Yeah. So it happens, well. okay. It, okay. You know, it happens and it can happen at any age. Uh, my, my ex-brother-in-law, um, uh, was sad case. He was at, uh, my niece's house putting on, and he had a, a company that did siding work and, and, you know, construction work. He was on the roof and, uh, something happened. I don't know if he had a heart attack or stroke, whatever, whatever, but he fell off the roof, landed on his head and, uh, and, and, you know, never woke up. And um, so, unfortunately, you know, 
he was being kept alive for days by ventilators and machines. And, you know, they said, look, if we take him off these machines, this is the best he's getting because, you know, the, the brain had separated from the stem and, and he's not getting any better. So, you know, that's the pull the plug situation. So, sure. Sure. So, you know, they don't, this isn't for a head cold, right? So, I mean, normally, normally you have a team of doctors or a committee of doctors that come in and consult with the family and say, look, the, the, this is it, right? He's not getting any better. So, right. Um, so, but these are important documents to have in place because if not, we got to go to the probate court to get a, somebody appointed to do all this. And again, that'll get time consuming and expensive. Sure. Well, this is great information to have, and you've really clarified these areas and really understanding these areas. Uh, I think a lot of people say, okay, I can figure this out now, uh, but I don't think no one should do this on their own. Obviously, yeah. this is why there's uh, people like yourself who are estate planner in attorneys and, and work on this. And uh, you actually have the ability to tie it in with uh, as a tax professional as an estate planner and as a financial planner, which is a huge benefit. And so how can our listeners get this peace of mind package and learn more about this or set up a complimentary consultation? So there's a, a, a banner on the bottom there. If, if you can't see it, the phone number is 216-485-1040. And our law website is insalmolaw.com. So Tony, just a little bit, um, Oftentimes, it's not that your document is, you know, you grab something off the Internet. Um, it's not that it's wrong, but sometimes it's just not complete enough. Right. So uh, we had a situation years ago where someone grabbed a durable power attorney off the um, Internet. And and we think we talked about this on our show. So two sisters owned a house together and. Um, one sister became disabled and, and wasn't able to function. So the other sister wanted to sell the house and put her in a, in an assisted uh, care facility. Sure. Makes but sense. The, but the financial power attorney that they got didn't give expressly give them her power to sell real estate. So, um, so I said, well, you can try it, but I don't think any attorney or, or title company is going to accept it because it doesn't say that your sister gave you authority to sell her half of the house. So the situation said, well, um, what should we do? And I said, well, I hate to tell you this, but um, you could either apply for a guardianship, but if you apply for a guardianship, her half of the money has to, when you sell the house, her half of the money has to stay for her. And if you do that, she's going to lose all her governmental benefits. So we didn't do that. So second uh, scenario was, well, you can wait till she passes away. Eventually she passed away. And then the sad part was that whoever did the deed didn't make a joint survivor. So they had to go to probate court to, you know, to, um, so. The what a mess. Was, yeah. What a mess. So the person who was alive got her half of the house. The person who passed away, you would think it would go to the other sister, but the person who passed away also had, there was other three other brothers and sisters. So, um, you know, it became a mess. So, and it could have been, it wasn't that the power of attorney on its face looked bad, but it just wasn't complete enough. Right. That's why ours is 22 pages long. Right. So there's a lot in power of attorneys because you might need to do planning for nursing home planning, Medicaid sure. planning. And if all that, all that authority's not in there, they're not going to let you do it. 
Okay, so um, again, if you need help with this uh, peace of mind package, call our office at 216-485-1040 or go to our, our, our website, anselmolaw.com, and we have a calendaring system on there that you can just set an appointment uh, when it's convenient to you, or again, you can call our office. Awesome. Well, Chris, great show. And I think uh, people should pick up the phone, give you a call, make sure that they have it covered so they have peace of mind. And uh, that yeah, does. And that's, why, and that's why we call it peace of mind, right? <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, thanks, Chris. Great show. And listeners, thanks for tuning in or viewing. Uh, whichever you're doing today. Uh, But that does it for today's episode of The Road to Retirement with our host, Chris Anselmo. All right, see you next week. Thank you for listening to Road to Retirement. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Chris Anselmo from Brookside Tax and Financial Group. Call 440-886-3550 or visit them online at brooksidetax.com. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Advisory services are offered by Brookside Financial Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Ohio. Insurance products and services are offered through Brookside Tax and Financial Group, LLC, an affiliated company. Chris Anselmo and Brookside Tax Financial Group are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.